Welcome to the conversations. And for this edition, we have Tamu McPherson here with us. And Yay. Tamu, I, I I'm gonna venture to say that ooh, you are a a blogger, an influencer, a fashion impresario, but fill in the blanks for us. Yes. So right now I was talking to a friend of mine and he suggested that I use the title digital talent. Ooh. Because he thinks that it reflects um, okay. more of what we do today. He thinks influencer is limiting. And he thinks the fact that, A, we can work as stylists one day. we can work, I can work in as, as a photographer some days. Or I could work, I could do a capsule collection another day. He just thinks it's, it, it better describes what we do. So I'm a digital influencer. No. A digital talent. A digital talent. I'm I'm going to have to co-op that um, (laughs) taboo because I I find it encompassing. Yes, yes, yes. Very multifaceted. Exactly. Very multifaceted. And and it is to that end that we want to talk to you, uh, uh, Tamu. You are multi-hyphenated with all the the functions that you say from photographer to model to uh, creative director to a host of different things. But you're also a mom. Yes. That's my first job, my most important job. Which is how we connected, actually. Yes. Because, a little background, we met when I was eight or nine months Deliciously pregnant. Deliciously pregnant. <laughs> Super <laughs> pregnant. Actually running around, about to drop. Um, Looking at, amazing. At a New York Fashion Week. For yeah. sure. I remember at a New her York pregnancy. Fashion Week event, we were just talking motherhood. She, we kind of spot each other from across yes. the room. Because she's dropped it gorgeous. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're too sweet, as are you. And you were just imparting all of this beautiful, timely advice amongst millions of dollars worth of jewelry it was kind of major and yeah we just really connected over that motherhood my impending motherhood your actual motherhood and so that's kind of I guess the theme that we're going to explore today well but actually you know what um Henrietta I'm to tell you as the only male in this equation here and I'm not a mother <laughs> but um I have to tell you and we I mentioned this to you earlier I'm just going to throw this out there Tamu being a mother and being a fashion professional, there always seems to be some sort of incongruence there for for me, based on what I see, based on what my my peers and friends say or don't say about their lifestyle. I've never really seen it um, on display where the motherhood is really right in sync with the career and 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 everything is just flowing. I never see that so much in fashion, considering it's such a woman centric career field. Well, I think that this is true for so many creative industries, and I think in fashion. It depends on what you're doing. If you're a journalist, for example, and you're traveling a lot, definitely when you think about our colleagues who will do three weeks of traveling away from their families, how do they manage that? And some of them don't rotate with their colleagues at their um, publications, um, and they do that or the long hours. But I think at the end, you know, when it's time to have a family, you, you have the family and you make it work. I think that's the thing. And I think most of us that go into any any career really, you know, when the time comes, the time comes and you learn how to, to manage it. But this past year I interviewed someone, Grace Bonnie of Design Sponge, and she had she interviewed a hundred women and in different creative fields mm. and what she came across was the fact that we hold our women, mothers, hold ourselves to these really high standards. Even when you have a house full, full of help, 
it, it's you can't have this perfect plan life isn't perfect children don't follow a blueprint every child is different they all have different needs so why do we hold ourselves to this this high standard when it's not really possible like you have to go with the flow she was saying you know what I mean and then we can't beat ourselves up if it doesn't work out the way that we plan you do work within the digital mm -hmm. space do you not think that that's really challenging to not beat yourself up or never feel like you're not doing well enough when you kind of are mapping against other women who a lot of whom just seem to be juggling seamlessly and doing the working out and staying yeah. hydrated and the, you know being the yeah. best at their job and looking fantastic and it can feel you know the lack of conversation around motherhood can make you feel like you're never doing it right or you're, you're it's almost impossible to go with the flow i guess because i don't study those women that is the reason mm. why I, i'm not mm. affected by that um perfect world that they're communicating and sharing mm. um i think the fact that i still am in i'm still connected with my friends who are mothers and and that we have these natural organic authentic conversations mm -hmm. about our hopes and about our fears related to motherhood i feel like I, i'm in another space you know what i mean i could look at those pictures and i know what's going on in my life and i know what's going on in my friend's life and that's more of a reality to me than this perfect world that they're creating and that they're sharing and then i come across these women who are so honest about it mm -hmm. and i think that's what moves me for people looking in and for people who are seeing these picture perfect representations of what motherhood can be that it can be dangerous for them mm. and i hope and i hope there are more women out there who are communicating the complexity of juggling a career and motherhood and and i hope that they find those women to reference so that they can come to peace with what's going on in in their lives where we are responsible for little human beings right mm. and you it know? does shift your perspective massively but but do you you know in what you just said there does it call for fashion professionals to compartmentalize really really compartmentalize their life keep the kids over here and and then operate in the fashion lane over here is it a case of such i made the other the observation earlier that it's funny that anna wintour arguably the most powerful woman in this industry she's a lot is said about her but she's also a mother but that's probably the the last and least thing you hear said about her that she communicates I have that, and that she communicates yes. and that's communicated about her yes. isn't that interesting and you had also mentioned but then her her magazine her magazine talks about mothers and you know a lot of the, mm -hmm. the subjects are mothers and they have children and then when they recount their stories they're talking about their lives with their children but she as this powerful female figure we don't see her as a mother that often unless you pay attention and you know who B. Schaefer is but I have a funny story to tell you about her Do when my son was a toddler he was a, a little bit over one years old my mother-in-law was um, strolling with him in Milan um, near the hotel where Anna stays in when she's there for Fashion Week. And Anna walks by my mother-in-law and um, looks at my son, who my son was quite... <laughs> It was definitely a picture to be seen when he was little because he was really, really chubby. And I didn't want to cut his hair because the winter was coming. I was like, he's going to be cold. So here he was with this big afro <laughs> and huge. He's really tall. And he was he weighed like 30 pounds when oh, he was wow. like one. He was enormous. <laughs> and my mother-in-law, of course, dressed him that day. So, 
you know, very traditional Italian jumper with the Peter Pan collared oh. shirt, knickers, <laughs> knee socks, and boots in a stokey. We had a stokey 10 years ago, stroller, and she's, you know, strolling with, she's very chic. She's strolling up Monte Napoleone with him, and Anna walks by, looks at him, comes back. Oh! stops and starts touching him like oh. you know like talking to my mother-in-law my mother-in-law as soon as Anna goes away my mother-in-law calls me and my mother-in-law is a retired contemporary historian like this does not phase Anna doesn't phase her mm. she loves fashion but she knows who Anna is but it, she's like oh my gosh it's a sign you're gonna be like totally successful <laughs> this is a blessing she's wearing a silk velvet suit <laughs> So, for me, before that, I had only seen her at fashion events, and, and like you said, I knew she was a mother, but I did not see this tender part of her. Mm. But when that happened, I, I literally started to believe, but hey, Anna is this powerful woman who's built up this wall, this, this aura around herself, but at the end of the day, mm -hmm. she's a mother. And oh. that changed my point of view of her. But it was a personal experience that brought me to that and it was something that does not happen to everyone and no you know and it's but it's really twofold because I think having that personal experience but also somewhat personal interactions if you think that she's not really accessible to most of the people yes. in the industry slash the world on one hand I get it that's her brand she is actually I see her more as a businesswoman like yes. I get it on the other hand I do feel like it's a very big missed opportunity to foster a bit more conversation around the idea of motherhood and fashion because it is tough. I think where we are in an industry that is super transient, it can be quite fluid. Loads of roles are changing. Lots of heads are rolling. Being a mother is often, unfortunately, looked at as a hindrance. And I think to look at these powerful women in powerful positions who have really climbed the ranks with two children, which is a massive feat. Like that to me would be her biggest accomplishment. I would... I think it's a missed opportunity that it's not spoken it about not more, and part it's not of her narrative. Yes. and it's it's not just an editorial because you know not just a look at me and my bellman and my child. Yes. I think it could be more substantive conversation. But that same trend applies to other women in fashion. Look at Stella McCartney, for example, who has I think she has like four children. Yes, you barely hear about those children. Not yes. to say they're not important yes. to her life yes. and she's not dedicated to them, but you're not. You don't hear about that feature of her life as much. Phoebe Philo. As well was mentioned, she has children. She took time off it, to raise her children. Is it, a, is it a question of privacy with these women? I I do think it could be a question of privacy for for Phoebe particularly because she's, she's barely interviewed. Private. She's notoriously <laughs> private. But what was really interesting is that she tends to put her family first. Like for the little that we know and about, we know her, about that. That's exactly. We know about the that. Very okay. Little, the okay. very very little. You know, the few nuggets we know about her. One of them is we know that she took time out at what was arguably the height of her career at the time, to look after her family. And then she famously didn't move to Paris for Celine. She stayed in London. She didn't want to uproot her family. Mm -hmm. She's famously known for working till 6pm. She's like, I'm very efficient. You catch me in those work hours. I'm not trying to like, you know, all the bells and whistles, whistles of fashion. Yes. I leave at six. She goes on holiday. She switches her phone off. And, you know, rumour has it she's maybe going to Burberry, but that she's also maybe just retiring to spend time with her children. And that's and lovely. And that, I think, is, is actually 
really admirable. But that message is so is so localized, you know, for a highly influential woman like herself. I mean, um, broadcasting that message would have such great impact on other women, not just in fashion, but in other fields we're, as well. We're going back to Anna here because Miss uh, Philo, she was not broadcasting anything or you know saying anything overtly. You have to really love her, yeah. To know. But <laughs> yeah, but you're right. That was an op opportunity that an editor in chief could have completely distributed down through the pages exactly. to empower more mothers. And like you said before, it, it, it's absolutely true. It's called the motherhood penalty. The Ooh. fact that when we stop to have children across the board, our careers either slow down or end, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right. And that could have helped and inspired so many other mothers who are absolutely struggling to, to make everything work. But there is an intersectional piece to this, which is why I think Anna holds more power than someone like a Phoebe, because Anna is in charge of crafting narratives and stories in a way that Phoebe isn't. Mm -hmm. Because the Phoebe standpoint is, even if she was broadcasting, it's like, this is my choice as a yes. mother. A lot of women, particularly in fashion, who are being paid pittance would be like, amazing, you can afford to do that. I can't afford to take three years off to look after my, you know. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it does That's become true. quite situational in a way that I think from media standpoint, all those women who are able to craft narratives around their persona or their career or the pages of magazines or on the on media platforms, I think there is a bit of a responsibility as well as female-helmed companies to implement well, yeah, policies yes. that are helpful Please. to mothers. No, go ahead. Well, I was about to say, I keep thinking about this. I keep, you know, I've been in this business a really long time. Yeah. I know a lot of, I'm in my 40s. I know a lot of women um, who've come up through the ranks of this industry. And, you know, uh, the, the issue of children certainly um, has come up or has not. But I have to tell you, I could probably count on my one hand the amount of women who have spoken to me over the years about family planning, having children, choosing that time, making that a part of the framework of their life. It's not a thing in fashion, I have to say. And when I see someone with a child, it's like it's like an anomaly. You're kind of like, oh wait, what? like you have a child and you're in fashion and you're raising. But now, now, now though, in the last three years, in magazines and and websites, a lot of women have had children and are pregnant. So okay. there is there's I a do lot see of that pregnant. At the moment, yeah. Actually, yeah. Okay. I wonder but, how that's going to yeah. change things. But the other thing too, do you think it's generational? Because I had my son. I turned 31 in the hospital. These girls are in their 30s now having their children. So it could be that it could just be like this generation, what we're seeing right now of young editors who are kind of senior now. I mean, they started maybe when they're 21. Now they're like in their 30s. So they are starting to have children now. We didn't see much between 23 and 30 justifiably because they weren't having children. And the senior editors like the Virginia Smiths, uh, I'm, 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 you know, I'm pointing to Vogue a lot, excuse me, or like maybe you would say the Christina O'Neill's. Mm. Christina has a daughter who's my son's age. My son is 10. And she, she has a new, and she has a, a new baby. New son, yeah. So like she would have had her child 10 years ago. And then maybe you wouldn't have seen, I just can't think of other, other women, but maybe, um, Cindy leave of glamour, for example, she's, she's leaving glamour, but she's told me one time that when I was in Paris, my son, uh, we found a new nanny and 
we found she started in September, which is the for us was the worst time to start because she hadn't had a lot of time with him. And that month, for some reason, both my husband and I went away. Usually it's just me that goes away for fashion week, but my husband went away for work. And here he is with this, this nanny that he doesn't know. And the poor child was so nervous that he kept waking up during the night and going to where her room was and standing in that hall outside of her bed until she would wake up and bring him back to his room. So what I wanted to know is how long was he standing in the dark mm -hmm. just to be near her? And I, at that point, when she told me that, I canceled everything and I went back to Milan because I was like, so my heart is broken that this like seven-year-old is now standing in the hallway for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 right. minutes until she wakes up and realizes that he's standing there mm -hmm. and my heart is broken. So I'm leaving. So I mentioned this to like, I think Cindy and she's like, you just have to listen. You have to listen to your children. You, you know, they will communicate at different ways that they need you. And then that's, that's when you turn around. So when I think of it, there are a lot of women who would give advice to others working in the industry, but maybe they don't necessarily include this advice in their editorial letters mm. every every month. But Which, like working there, I've gotten great advice. It's and like we a talk behind about, the scenes conversation yeah. that's happening. And I mean, I wouldn't know in terms of their editorials, how many editorials, and, and depending on the magazine, because Glamour is a certain type of magazine, mm -hmm. who would drop, you know, tidbits in their editorial letter about, raising children I, I right, haven't read enough right. to know I think that's what I'm craving though I think I'm craving some candid honest conversations that given I think fashion's a business but it's also a culture and I think mm -hmm. that particularly that it, it's this kind of perceived maybe but this female dominated space yeah, absolutely I think there's space for that and particularly I think that will help lens because these women are also setting trends right so the mm -hmm. idea that the people that work in decision-making positions within the businesses. I'm actually from the other side of fashion where it's the kind of more corporate business side of it, mm -hmm. um, behind the scenes, you might say. You know, and my struggles have been trying to navigate being a new mother and working full-time because a lot of those opportunities weren't available to me in terms of just maternity benefits and timely responses to things and just given it's such a big life change mm -hmm. I wasn't even looking for the the advice to be imparted and me seeing how to you know the examples of how to do it correctly I was just looking for like how can I how can I navigate this in a way that makes sense what are the policies like what's the maternity structure it was really challenging and I just think that given that there's so many women in this industry there's responsibility to just have a bit more of a coming together I think I, I, I agree but now Tamu do you do you feel that being in Europe does that have a greater ease in in the arrangement let's say I mean you, you live oh, in Milan definitely I mean I was never other apart from the mm. time that I worked from Grazia um I was never in a structured setting mm because I've always worked for myself. Right. But I, okay, two things here. In Europe, in most countries, you're gonna have a maternity leave that's nine months. In Italy, you can stretch your maternity leave out. I don't know if it's automatic nine months, and then after that, your salary is reduced by, by a certain percentage, but you can, you're, you don't lose your job. Mm -hmm. you're, you're not being replaced. Your job is secure. And then after nine months, you, you get a reduction mm -hmm. in salary. But it is extremely hard to fire anyone in, in Italy. Mm -hmm. So 
women are more France in France. Well, yeah. It's different schemes, but very similar. Mm -hmm. So there is more security there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for example, I think the birth rate in Italy is lower also. So not, sure. they're not having that many children. Just that's an aside. That's an aside. <laughs> that's and I don't so know why. That, that's an aside. And I don't know why. And also the, the age of pregnancy is it's much higher than, right. than here. So mm -hmm. that's that's something else. But me personally, I know that when I went to work in a structured setting, I personally decided that I would put off a second pregnancy mm -hmm. so that I could concentrate on my job. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember I had this gynecologist, my gynecologist I no longer visit with. He was like, he had the nerve to tell me, listen, don't put your work in front of your career. He was like, it's important. Your family is more important. And I was just like, okay, my, listen. Don't put your work in front of your child. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't put your work in front of your family. Like, Meaning family, like, right. mm -hmm. don't wait to have another child. You know, and I was like, thank you for that information. But I didn't ask. I didn't yeah. ask. I will, Let's just, I'll choose yeah, how I approach yeah, my yeah. living. Thank so, you very much. <laughs> but I made a, con like I decided not to go ahead with a second. I waited. And then, I mean, I still don't have a second child now because it <laughs> but those, are, those are the considerations yeah. though because you do feel a little bit like well you know i just had this first baby and now i've got it and i yes. have to like work a little bit longer to like then announce i'm having a second because there is a little bit of an eye roll that. when you announce you're pregnant mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's oh yeah of it, course let's not get it twisted yeah but yeah. the fact that you work for yourself do you feel freer i just you just seem to just radiate this kind of ease and it just feels like you're really owning your path do you feel like that's attributed a lot to just having carved your own path and well no i think that i'm extremely fortunate to have a partner who is very present and who is really capable of organizing things so i can totally be free so i don't know if other women in my situation can feel as free mm. as i feel because i have a huge support system i have like a, a mega support system mm. at home and so that's why i i can be free but from an emotional standpoint no i'm in the same position as uh, anyone else mm -hmm. i am the mother to a, a little human being and i think about the same things that anyone else thinks about and I probably, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I totally think about the, the exact same things. You know how it is to be a mother. The argument is like, is it you that are mi is missing them more or is it them that, that they're missing you? Mm -hmm. You know, they're distracted, they're fine. But I go through the same yeah. thing that everyone thinks. And when I travel, like, for instance, this month, you know, we're in February. I'm going to travel for, I'm not going to see my son for about two weeks straight and then like another five days after. But then he has Easter holiday where I will spend, you know, basically 20 days with him on, on holiday. Mm. So like those are the, the same thing that other women think about. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about too, like, you know, quality time. When, when will we spend quality time? What are we doing when we spend quality time? How do I make up the fact that I'm not home for X weeks at a time? How, you know, thinking about, is he stimulated? Is he going, he, does he have the perfect set of activities? No, no, I'm, I'm there, but mm -hmm. I have a huge support system and that's what makes it work for me. And that's why I can be so, you know, so relaxed about things. And mobile. But, and mobile. But the other thing too, the minute, that I sense that he's in any way suffering from the fact that I'm outside the home, then I, I have no problem canceling yeah. things whatsoever, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, but, but like to what you said before, can cancel things. Now, another person, if, if they are the, the main breadwinner in the family working in fashion, 
Derek can't cancel things and go home. But that's yeah. that's that's a reality, yeah. and that's what I was about to ask to, to actually to both of you. Are you in involved in situations where younger women women are looking up to you guys or asking you guys questions based on the or based on the paths that you have taken, based on you having children, based on you guys yeah. making it work? Like, are, so f- are you advising? It's you know, so funny you mentioned that because I actually am having a lot of conversations with former team members, friends, uh, particularly those who are few years younger than me like I'm 34 so girls that are approaching their 30s a lot of whom are talking about waiting to have children because they feel like they're in this point where they're finally coming up and they're making money and you know so I think it's also it's like a cultural generational thing where we might have a bit more of a traditional pathway set forth a lot of these younger women are thinking about the opportunities ahead like actually if I really put my time into this tech company or if I transition to tech or if I start my blog at this point and then by the time I'm 35 I would have made it I could settle down have kids or I could own my own business and then have kids that's a lot of the conversation which obviously I can't dictate either way but a lot of women I'm finding are wanting to put that off to have the freedom to be able to not really have to navigate the system in the way that maybe I have so that's just like a trend that I'm finding just with the few conversations I've been having. I don't know about you. I think it's generational because that's what I did. That's essentially, I was, you know, I had my son, I turned 31, but that's essentially what I did. And I entered fashion. Like I had started, I guess I started when I was 29 in Italy and then I had my son. And so I was at the place where they were. It's just that I, you know, I happened to have him already. And then I waited. I said, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to have another child. But Mm -hmm. I think since then it's been nine years. So I think these young girls who are coming up, they're in the same, they just have, they don't have children yet. But my, my big break came after I had him already. How was that? What did that look like? Your decision to move into fashion at that point at that point well I was already there but it wasn't like um you know the blogging industry hadn't taken off yet all of the attention was slowly growing and moving towards us so it it, it was interesting I mean I just at the time I saw it as an opportunity to work in fashion because it wasn't easy I graduated after 9-11 and fashion companies weren't going to invest in a person who had a non-traditional fashion background or at least who had never hustled in the industry at all and they just saw me as someone who would leave and go work go back to you know working in law or in finance because you also don't get paid as much as you do as yeah. a first year you know law so those perceptions will kill you <laughs> it's yeah. so true it's so funny yeah. the conversations yeah. as to like what will happen to you after you give birth yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's the thing. But that's the other thing about that whole motherhood penalty, like what happens to you after you give birth, you know, managing um, the ho- managing the baby and, and your career. That's something that definitely would put those young women who are speaking to you off because when your child has a fever, do you have like those sick days to like not go back to work? Meanwhile, your colleagues are there or the person that they in the United States that they've, you know, substituted you with, like, does that person just take your job? So then you start thinking about those things. And that brings me back to the point of the women who have a level of authority to cultivate a different narrative, because I think when you're not seeing how it's possible, you start trying to imagine that oh. imagine that for yourself. Yeah. So you're like, well, maybe exactly. I can, you know, do what a bit of what this woman in tech did, and this and this and this, and maybe I could work my way to the point where I'm in this position before I have a baby, or I'm, I've saved X amount, or I'm able to leave 
if I get fired or if the maternity doesn't work for me. And so I think that if we were able to just create a bit more of an environment where we're having the open conversations or we're seeing it reflected in different places, oh, she's a working mum, she's got it right. You know, this happens and I get what that might look like. Things might be different. People might be willing to navigate it a bit more. That go with the flow that you're talking about. There is no one that I know, given I've been in this industry for 12 years and I know a lot of women who work in the industry who are in their late 20s, early 30s and thinking they're going to have kids anytime soon. Yeah, and it's and it's a shame because it's becoming difficult for, it's becoming even difficult for 20-year-olds to conceive because there's this trend that it's just becoming more and more difficult to get pregnant and you see young people having difficulty getting pregnant and yeah the the longer you wait the more difficult it gets so it's a shame that they're they have to make that call also because it just shows with the stress with the pollution with all of these environmental things that are attacking us it's not even given Mm -hmm. you know even if there's like fertility help it's not a given that you'll be able to to conceive so and never mind the socioeconomic implications of (laughs) conceiving and having children i think that may be paramount you know and I feel that happens to to be the case with this industry as well. It is not so careers are not so well structured, mm-hmm. incomes are not so consistent where you can do a long term planning. And I think that's part of one of my thesis is that the women in this industry don't have that same level of confidence or that runway to be able to establish themselves in that way with that long term view. And therefore, I mean, it they, is quite they, transient from a, the fashion professional side of things because traditionally typically you're in a job for 18 yeah two to three years for the pay rise or because of the internal politics or just for the development and jobs are being cut left right center new brands are being formed every day i feel like it's just a bit more of a transient it is transient ethereal (laughs) industry than most you almost isn't it almost unheard of that that woman that's been at her job for 15 years you're almost like why you're always trying to like piece it together yeah. as to like what that situation is. But that's an exciting thing. I think that's that's something to be celebrated, this idea that you can shift around and accumulate experience and make your networks and your contacts. And I, you know. I wish I, I wish there was more sort of camaraderie. And, and it sounds strange maybe coming from me, but I wish there was like more visible camaraderie amongst women in this industry where it came where um where family is concerned. You know, I, I just do not get I have never gotten that that sense from all the, the editors and buyers and all of these women have known in the last 25 years I've worked in this business. I, I've never, and yes, I understand there are factions in the business. You know, you have your Hearst, you have your, your, your Condé Nasses and, you know, things kind of operate in these kind of, um, in these kind of groups and tribes and so on and so forth. But still, still ultimately such a woman centric industry. Um, you would think that there would be greater cross pollination when it comes Although, to that kind of thing. I think to your point about seeing a lot of women in this space, particularly in the mm-hmm. digital talent space who are having children, Children, I can literally think of about 12 yeah. just off the top of my head who are pregnant right yes. now or have had babies in the last three months. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate the space because there is a level of, I think, just the careers or the paths they've taken are just more conducive to just a more candid yes. reveal of yes. what mother Fair working enough. motherhood yes. is. Okay. But also you see companies that are have a social cause at its root or lead from a, a space of empathy so like glossier to the wing yes, to yes. outdoor voices to all of these businesses that are coming up female owned young female owned who are not the traditional matriarchs of like the anna winters and the other women who are gatekeepers and saying this is 
what I do. And right. this is not yeah, what right. I do. Well, I think this is awesome. I think this is probably going to be the shift. Mm-hmm. Right. I think this uh-huh. is going to be the shift because the, the medium is changed mm-hmm. and it's a medium that you can be more candid and you're speaking really directly and these are all brands that speak directly to their followers exactly. and supporters mm-hmm. and the, the storytelling is like you said very candid for these women and you know for example Eva Chen she shares so much about her children mm-hmm. and as will you know anyone in her circle who who becomes um, mothers soon but that's it here we are in the media ship so we can say prior to this women in publishing we're not using their voices to empower or enhance the life actively because they are mothers. They do have children, but maybe they, like you said, they mm-hmm. lost that opportunity because they didn't see it. They just didn't see it. It was something that was discounted. Whereas this new generation, who is also very much about women empowered, well, mm-hmm. as was the prior generation, but it's out there. And we are in a time where all different kinds of causes, like you said, social causes are being put at the forefront of our communication. And and I think we're all about that. And I think what might happen is there might be when we, as we continue to talk about pay equality, I think we'll probably start to break down the different aspects of it. We'll start to talk about the fact that this motherhood penalty, what it means to our careers. And I think at that point, you know, Many of these women using their platforms will start to talk about that. I think that's such a true point because I do feel like it's progress, right? And that's a continuum. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're going to talk about closing the pay gap, Mm -hmm. the gender pay gap, and then evolve it to like, what does real pay equality mean? Yes. Because if she chooses to not have kids, and I do who's being penalized and what does that look like for me to like enter back into the workforce and Mm -hmm. what am I being paid to also do another job of work on top of this job of work? You know, so I think that the nuances of pay equality, hopefully it's going to trickle into the professional It's going to trickle into the conversation. And, yeah. and I think that's going to come soon. But I, I really think your point that this, the medium has changed and these women are more candid and they're sharing their experiences and they're not, I mean, some of the women I follow, they will full on talk about their first year as mothers and the ups and the downs, the joys and the disappointments and what it's done to their relationships. And they are sharing Mm -hmm. this information. That is the difference because I guess what women 20 years ago felt was relevant in t- in terms of storytelling you know through their but i mean a plat it, the platform was completely different mm-hmm. you were featuring you were featuring other people and you didn't really enter as much whereas when you are the main character in your or the you know when you're the subject right. on your platform and you're creating content and you're trying to create authentic content then you are going to talk about all aspects of yes. your life that yes. you think will be helpful because you're directly talking to at Jane that follows you. Mm, so I right. think that's, it's just, I think what it is is a evolution of communication, media communication driven by the social media, you know? I love that. Wow, Tamu. I mean, this this subject, as we always say, this needs more airtime, and yes. it will get it will get more airtime for sure. But thank you for sharing the struggles, the juggles <laughs> on you, this <laughs> this thank motherhood you. life and fashion with us. Thank this you, thank you, thanks, Tamu. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> uh, it's my time for.
something new.